The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. It's uh, Monday morning, bright and early. The Dallas Cowboys have just thankfully covered a nice little three-point spread against the New York football giants, despite, Eric, despite the generational performance that we saw from Saquon Barkley. Um, It was a long day. It was one that saw our lock of the week fall that just miserably on its head uh, in the really Saints. Had a chance. Never even had a chance. And what was so sad about that is we were sold on taking Dallas as our lock of the week, literally up until the last couple of minutes before we filmed that segment, which is sad. I think, I think um, we literally sent the picture of the Dallas game to the, yes. the SI people and then changed our mind. I mean, that, that being said, if you have a PFF Elite subscription, you know that we had Dallas against the spread. So, But it still is kind of all that annoying that we talked ourselves out of it. That's all that matters. All right, so this is the Sunday postmortem. But more importantly, look ahead to next week. Uh, we are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. It's the place that you've got to be plugged into if you're going to actually make uh, um, some kind of return on your investment. Uh, and all of the good information that you can get from PFF Elite and PFF Greenline, which, uh, of course, has a pick on every single game. And the great thing is that you don't have to wait for our stupid selves to write, you know, some column about our picks on Friday. You can go on early in the week and see the inefficient lines that Vegas has up there and take advantage of them. And that's that's, I think, the best part about this product. Um so, so far, like really good things. Everything has sort of gone well. We can't seem to pick a game to save our lives, but uh, the, things will turn around. I have faith in it. Um, so uh, let's, let's start with the three questions that we had um, back on Thursday that we mentioned in our podcast and see, let's kind of let that be a jumping off point for um, our like postmortem part of the podcast. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds great. All right, so the first question, this is, this is a good one. Will Dak Prescott rebound enough to win back his status as a franchise quarterback in the NFL moving forward? What do you think? I mean, I think he did some of the things Sunday night, last night, whenever, that he needed to do that makes him have some value, right? So we saw him run the football on the read option, you know, and he and you know Bortles did that against the Giants in Week One. He did that very efficiently. He hit deep passes. He hit Cole Beasley on some third downs. He controlled the football game. I'm not picking him anywhere near you know top 15 quarterbacks if I had to start a team over, right? But I do think that he's not this disaster that he looked like uh, against Carolina in Week One. Yeah, they ran a ton of play action. He was great off play action. The, the DAC that we saw in 2016, which was I'm great off play action. I am not going to throw deep a ton, but like because of the different things that we do, I'll probably have a good opportunity when I do so. And 
I'll make one of them count. Um, those happened. His mobility was huge in this game. A couple of really big runs. Um, so, yeah, like the great thing about Dow- for Dallas and Dallas fans is that that defense is legit. Those corners can cover. The linebackers can cover. And they they won that game because they blitzed. And the Giants had never seen a blitz before. And then Byron Jones was a monster. Byron Jones, Chilby Wuzier, those guys covered their butts off. Um, so that's I think that's the more exciting part. But I agree with you. I, I think Dak has... Not necessarily in our minds, but in the minds of, of Cowboys fans, it's solidified that. Okay, second question. Which new NFL co- head coach should be fired first? Uh, I'll let you lead off with this one here. Uh, I don't want to jeopardize sort of like your production meetings next week, but <laughs> it does seem like it does seem like the, the big fella uh, living, uh, you know, in uh, – Motown. Motown. Motown Matt. <laughs> Motown Matt. Uh, the, the rocket scientist, right? He can come, you know, uh, you know, study with us. But it, I don't know, man. I think Detroit week one, there was a really big disappointment. I think if you picked him in, like, the Survivor League, it was kind of a joke. But then they did backdoor cover uh, against San Francisco in a game we did pick, and we did end up getting right uh, in our column. Um, but Thank that God. defense – right – that defense just doesn't see – I mean, Matt Breida, he had – Breida, he had a, a terrific run, broke their back uh, when, you know, sort of they needed it the most. It just doesn't seem like Detroit, um, you know, 9-7, and seven, two consecutive years with Jim Caldwell. Uh, I don't know. They're probably going to start 0-3 as they face the Patriots this week. It's going to be a rough, uh, I think, season for him, and it just kind of continues the uh, string of, um, you know – uh, coaches that are very, very good in their role with Belichick and maybe are not quite that much when they become head coaches in the NFL. I can't argue with you, but as yeah, this is tough because as bad as they have been, the Arizona Cardinals have gotten yeah, right. absolute. I don't even know what you want to call it because. There's not a lot of bodily fluid left in the Arizona Cardinals, and what they had has been pummeled out. I mean, wow. Uh, And, like, Washington, I think it was like, oh, maybe Washington's kind of good. Washington probably isn't that good. Yeah, they beat at home today by the – They're probably pretty darn average, and they took them behind the woodshed. So, um, we're never, obviously, rooting for coaches to get fired. This was more of a – sensationalist question it's like which of the new regimes because here's the thing everyone gets super excited about new coaches and it's like ah, a new thing but that being said the answer to this question is the new york football giants new head coach because that team looked that that was a huge game right because it's people you know all the fans in, in new york and dallas react in certain ways and that division is kind of up for grabs now because you don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz. You know, the Eagles lost, and this was like an opportunity to sort of reset your season here. This game was huge. The Cowboys played like it, right? They played like it for sure. They pulled out all the stops. They had new things on offense, new things on defense that were immediately felt. The Giants blew an obvious fourth down call. They just literally tossed away five percentage points 
uh, in their favor of scoring full, the next a full, score. A full expected point. I, awful. Just an abysmal call to the point where, like, the, the booth <laughs> was – was calling down like, wait, are we like not understanding something about this situation? This is obvious, right? Like it's obvious to literally everyone. They blew that miserably. Um, so I, by far, is that a, the, is that a, is that a co- uh, obviously the coaching decision is, is silly. Right. And, 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 you know, the, the, the insistence to, you know, and then they, they actually did go for it on fourth down later in the game, but that, Right. Yeah, that early decision was head scratching, but don't you think that's more of like a top all the way to the top situation where the the drafting of Barkley, the going with Manning, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think is I, I think Shermer is is one in a in a plethora of problems yeah, there. Yeah, a bunch of issues. Yeah, I I agree. Let's talk about Bar. Let's let this be the opportunity to talk about Barkley real quick because. I, I can tell you this. Everyone's really excited to watch him play, right? And for good reason. The guy's a physical freak. But everything that we've talked about running backs came – basically played itself out in this game, right? There may not be a position where their athletic feats are as impressive as the running back position. It's amazing. Saquon Barkley's ability to end – a, a blink of space, make a guy whiff is incredible. Mm-hmm. But half the time it happens four yards behind the line of scrimmage and he's just fighting his way to get back to the line of scrimmage. The guy caught you know, what was targeted 14 times and gained like 80 yards on those receptions. I think forced like nine missed tackles on catches. It's amazing. The guy was incredible and yet barely gained any sort of positive yardage. Um, on those plays was not efficient to throw him the ball despite how good he played. And when he carried the ball, I mean, the line couldn't block to save their lives. And it turns out that's what's most predictive of future success. So he had 11 carries and 29 yards. I mean, it's sad, honestly. His average depth of target was minus 1.5. And and interestingly, if you look at the other side of the, the game, the other generational talent, Ezekiel Elliott, caught all five of his targets for a grand total of 10 yards, um, 17 of which were after the catch. So, again, he had a negative average depth of target as well. And it, to me, it's just, again, as you said, the things that they do are impressive, but the things they do are not valuable, right? Um, and, and and that's, I think, that you know we're all looking forward to watching these guys. We all look forward to watching Adrian Peterson in his prime. But that doesn't mean that he moved the needle much of anything uh, for those Vikings teams. And again, um, I think that that's really the systemic thing with the Giants and why we were very much on their under seven. And that is looking good so far as they start 0-2. Looking great. Not to jinx. I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood here. Um, the, the funny thing about the, the Cowboys is that they – they leveraged it perfectly. They ran play action over 50% of the time, and it was crucial. I mean, that Dak was basically a dead man without play action. And uh, the Giants ran it less than 20% of the time. I mean, the Giants, uh, prayers for the Giants. Um, all right, last question here from our three questions. Are the Falcons still a Super Bowl contender? I'm going to answer this one first. And it is a resounding yes. The the PFF Falcons. I mean, 
I don't I don't know what part of that game was my favorite. I, I think I do actually. They they turned around the way that they acted in the red zone for for it. Not it wasn't perfect, but they turned it around quite a bit, and that made all the difference. That not having Deion Jones, not having Keanu Neal, not having Keanu Neal's backup, all those things can be forgotten when your quarterback is is able to make plays in the red zone and he score points. Yeah, they weren't perfect. They did a wildcat, I think, on their first drive in you know Carolina territory. But yeah, the, even down to the routes that they were running, right? They ran a slant pattern to Ridley. They threw the ball to the tight end. I think it was actually, I think it was more almost like a post, like a post. It was a deep slant. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. And they ran a play to the tight end. You know, Austin Hooper finally, you know, uh, you know, making plays for them. Um, I, obviously, defensively, they were going to struggle a, a little bit, but that game kind of sped up once they got ahead by multiple scores as well. So I think that some of the stuff that they gave up was a little bit inflated. Notice um, there was a key player out for Atlanta on offense too, their generational talent, um, Devontae Freeman. Uh, that didn't seem to matter much either, funny. But, yeah, um, we have, after you know going into the Monday night game, we have Atlanta as the fourth best team in the NFL in terms of PFF ELO um, behind Philadelphia, New England, and Los Angeles Rams, just in front of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the New Orleans Saints, the Minnesota Vikings. So we would still have them. And again, a lot of this is due to priors, but we would still have them, you know, fairly high beating a very good team. Um, you know, I think convincingly here, I think gets them back on the right track. And, you know, I think we're pretty excited about where they are uh, kind of moving forward here after a really, you know, abysmal, you know, start to the season. You know what you did not mention in that red zone recap? Uh, Steve Sark. Oh no, Julio. Julio. And so that's the thing that I think is so interesting is it's more about it's more about the 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 general understanding of what's successful than it is targeting a guy who generally creates success, right? And I think that's indicative of situations that are more intently scrutinized and focused and in close range, right? Like those red zone situations or those inside the ten situations. Um, we're going to get on to uh, week two here because look, we're not here to talk about the past. We're here to focus on the future. Um, but just a quick like kind of recounting of why this is useful is that last week our three picks early in the week were Dallas minus three, Detroit, San Francisco, the over. And the Kansas City Pittsburgh over a Kansas City Pittsburgh game was something. And when we talk about those teams going forward, I mean, I, I want you to make sure you keep it in, you know, keep it in your pants there with the Pat Mahomes stuff. But it's it's exciting. Um, of course, as we went later on in the week, things got worse, which was New England, who should have gone for it a couple times and did not. And then New Orleans, who I'm not sure they know the season has started yet. I mean, they're they're extremely fortunate to be one and one. They're also extremely fortunate to be in a division where everybody except for Tampa Bay is one and one. Um, yeah, very interesting. If you want to look at you know sort of an example that that those picks are going to be up on YouTube, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday every single week. You can go back and look at the one that we did on Dallas. 
the San Francisco Detroit over was very much because our PFF Massey defensive rankings for both of them were near the bottom of the league. Um, I think the same will be true about Kansas City Pittsburgh after this weekend, but that was also, uh, you know, something to, to look at. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this, you know, the PFF Greenline product, the, the uh, you know, the content that we're putting out early in the week does have a lot of value. And oftentimes that value gets kind of sucked up. So, for example, Oakland at six and a half was a pick. Uh, in PFF Greenline early in the week, once the line got down to six, it was no longer a pick. Oakland did cover. They covered six, but they covered six and a half, and you would have had a little bit more value there, uh, you know, betting them at six and a half. On the other hand, the Rams were not a pick for us all week, and then once that number got down to 12, we did have them as a pick, I think, right before kickoff at 325. So it, it, it just varies, so that's why it's important not only to read our article, but also to go to green line whenever you're thinking about, uh, you know, uh, thinking about games. Just whenever you're thinking, actually, if you're thinking, then you're probably in need of green line. Also had Atlanta covering that spread, which I think I talked about, gave me the heebie jeebies. Yeah. Um, all right. So week, week three, I think I said week two earlier, but look, it's, I, I forgot to complain. It's late. I've had a very long day. I woke up really early. I've been, in, in cars and buses multiple times. Granted, they were charters, but it's just fair. I've had a really tough day, so I, you know, feel you had for to, me. You had to watch Dallas and the New York Giants up close. Yes, it was, it was brutal. It's like like really, the sun. Uh, really tough. Um, so, you know, feel bad for me as you are on your way to work at your job that's not in football. Um, that was kind of mean. I'm sorry. Love you all. All right, so week three, um, I, I think – let's just go through some games and, and talk about them and see where we think some of the value is. Let's start with the Thursday night game. Um, actually, let's start with the Monday night game that's this week because this is coming out nice and early. Seattle, Chicago, uh, that line has kind of moved a little bit. You've sort of followed it throughout the day. Um, rhyme or reason are people just like really terrified of the Seahawks and – I don't know what are you thinking. Well, it looks like it looks like Bobby Wagner is out. Um, That's right for Seattle. I believe uh, is he Kate, good? I believe yes. I the 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 case you could make for Seattle being a good team still is they have a lot of superstars. Bobby Wagner is one of them, and he's out with a groin injury. Doug Baldwin is also out with an MCL. Uh, it looks like it looks like Trey Flowers, one of their starting cornerbacks, is out. I mean, so there's a lot of in, you're. If you're going to back Seattle in this spot, you're basically backing the idea that it's that it's Chicago's not very good, and Russell Wilson is clearly the best player at the best position in this game. Because otherwise, you know, there's a lot to hate about what's going on in Seattle in terms of their injuries and how they performed Week One and so on and so forth. I try not to overreact to injuries. Seattle has a crap ton they have a lot of injuries and um man it it's it's tough but that line has moved quite a bit and the the graphic difference between trubisky and wilson is noteworthy uh we currently on on green line do have a pick here so if you want to know more go check it out uh all right all these lines are from mybookie.ag it's where you need to go where you play you win and you get paid Use promo code PFF to get a dollar for dollar match on your first deposit. 
uh, and they have live in-game betting as well, which is a super sick thing to use. Um, we love them. We use them. Make it happen. All right. Uh, let's start now with the Thursday game, which is Jets at Browns. The Jets currently getting three points. I repeat, the Cleveland Browns are favorites in this game. And w- which which should never happen. And we're Ever. Gonna- Ever and we're gonna we're gonna bet that until until they until they spurn us. Here. I would be I would be shocked if uh, you look at Green Line and see a pick that is not the Jets. Um, I love this personally. So, w- what can you talk me off it at all? Like, what is there any apprehension? Um. Well, if you don't have any money in your MyBookie account, that would be <laughs> yeah. that would be a reason not to bet it. Um, if you, hey, what if what if the what if the Browns decide to go to Mayfield this week? Uh, well, that's the thing that I that so the halftime of the New Orleans game, I was you know talking to a friend and I said you know the best part of this first half if you're thinking about this you know wanting New Orleans to cover is that Tyrod Taylor's played just good enough to keep Mayfield on the bench for at least another half. Yep. And I think that the, if you're thinking about betting this game, you know, Tyrod's played just well enough to keep Baker Mayfield on the bench for at least the start of another game. And and so I'm not really worried necessarily about about Mayfield playing in this game. And in that in that light, I'm going to rush to back the the Jets here at plus three, even on the road. I just don't I just don't think that the Browns, until they win a game, should be favored to win a game. Uh, for the foreseeable future. No, doesn't make sense. Ridiculous. All right. Uh, why don't you pick a game that uh, is interesting to you? Um, well, I'm going to go away from the, the clear one here. I think New Orleans at Atlanta. Um, Atlanta uh, giving up three at home. Um, I think it's minus 115. Um, our PFF ELO number, so not our sort of deep learning model, but our you know just using PFF ELO, this game should be more like a three-and-a-half point uh, spread in Atlanta's favor. I think this is a really interesting game. I think with Tampa Bay being 2-0 and already in the NFC South, I think this game could almost serve as something of a, uh, I wouldn't say elimination game, but a quasi putting one of these two teams firmly behind the eight ball for the foreseeable future in that division. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I don't sort of, I, I don't really disagree with the the idea that Atlanta, I, I think Atlanta is a better team, um, and I don't know, man. I it's hard it's hard for me to um, to have a lot of faith in New Orleans after almost losing to the Browns. I think I think that there are some things with New Orleans that are troublesome that weren't the case a season ago. For one, they're trying to run Camara with a lot of their Ingram plays, right? Which which I don't, I don't think frees them up to be as creative. So that was one thing <laughs> I've, I've been noticing. The other thing that I've been noticing is that they are giving up a ton of pressure, uh, you know, up front. And, you know, they got they got sacked quite a few times today. Uh, they Drew, did, in, in critical situations. In yeah. critical situations. Drew Brees, um, you know, he was only pressured on nine of 38 dropbacks, but he was also he was sacked those three times. And his passer rating, as as you would expect, dropped significantly as did his PFF grade uh, when he was under pressure. So I just don't think that. And and then Michael Thomas, they're not being very explosive in the passing game, or they weren't 
uh, against Cleveland. Now, that could be because Cleveland has a very good corner uh, in Denzel Ward, right? That oh, Bradley be... Chubb? Oh, Denzel Ward. Sorry, I think. Yeah, Wishful I mean, thinking. I mean, Thomas did catch 12 of his 13 targets, so after la- that means he's caught 28 of, what, 30 targets so far this year? So I could be, just be blowing smoke, but um, their offense just seems a little off. Um, and, and I think Atlanta, on the other hand, you know, sort of turned the corner, uh, this, uh, you know, this week. So we'll see. And I, I just think it'll be a very compelling game nonetheless. All right. Uh, a game that I'm very excited about, uh, not the most excited about next week, but, but pretty excited, uh, because I think it is a tantalizing, tantalizing opportunity Buffalo is a 16 and a half point underdog to Kurt Cousins. I, I, I just don't, I thought Josh, I, I think that the, the room to grow for Josh Allen is pretty high. I know Minnesota's really good, but man, that's so much. Well, and not only that, but the what you remember last year, we backed Kurt Cousins as a as a double digit favorite at home to San Francisco, and right. San Francisco with under CJ Bathard came back and and covered that. Um, Minnesota's defense was very 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 shaky, uh, you know, in giving up 29 points to Green Bay. Uh, they struggle with you know they struggle in the slot. Xavier Rhodes was giving up uh, his fair share there. Um, they weren't didn't necessarily get a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, who was hurt, but his average time to throw was like in the low, pretty low twos for him. So I think that they schemed around Minnesota's you know defense. It's just you know they uh, Los Angeles Chargers weren't able to cover this number uh, against Buffalo uh, this past week. So I, I do think it's foreseeable that they could be an underdog that we want to back. I I'm interested to see what our full model uh, you know puts out here because our our sort of just PFF ELO based model will be somewhere around nine points. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see after you fold in some of the opponent adjusted stuff what we end up getting. Yes, I agree. Josh Allen. I've all of a sudden become a huge Josh Allen fan. I've always yeah, been a Josh we Allen grounded, fan. Now, we grinded some Josh Allen film together. This now week. I just want to root for him because people hate on him so much. Uh, all right, next game you want to talk about? Well, I mean, this one's clear San Francisco plus six uh, at Kansas City. There's many rivalry between these two franchises because every single really good or even mediocre San Francisco quarterback has played for Kansas City, right? And and so there's always been that well, little rivalry. But now each team's kind of got their own quarterback, right? You right. guys have Jimmy G. Kansas City has Pat Mahomes. I just think this is a great like showcase for the league. And it's one where I feel like, man, people are going to be quick to jump on the Pat Mahomes train, which I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I think it's very quickly going to become a, look, you just take Kansas City to cover and you close your eyes type thing because that's what really great offenses can do. And I don't know, six – Six points is quite a bit. I know it's in Kansas City. I know it's their home opener. I actually think I think this line I think this line gets bigger. Uh, Absolutely. I think, this, I think this gets to seven and a half. And so uh, my thought is 
is wait on this one um, and get your value later on. Uh, because, look, San Francisco is a team. I, I think this was a misnomer about San Francisco, was that they were coming into the season in in their best form. And I think that you'd be an idiot to think that, but, you know, just just based on last season, right? They're an improving team. And I think they're only going to get better as the season goes on. Dante Pettis is a guy who I think is going to be a really nice part of that offense. I think he's going to work great with what Shanahan tries to do. Are they ever going to be able to come come up and get a replacement for Jarek McKinnon, though? <laughs> or right. no, he's leading the league in rushing, right? Now. That's right. The, the leading rusher in the league currently resides in San Francisco, and we see what that's done for them. Um so I, I, do you agree with me that, that that's a, a weight on it game? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, okay, so I was just going to ask you before, I was going to ask you what you thought this got to, and I, I see no scenario where this gets bet down to anything under the six it's at now. Um, right. If I'm, I you know, our number with PFF ELO is about six and a half for Kansas City. You have to be a little careful there because San Francisco is a little low, lowly rated because they had so much data without Jimmy G but I I'd almost be inclined if you want to take a chance to bet a little bit on the Kansas City side wait for it to go through the key number of seven then come back and bet the San Francisco side and see if you can't get a middle because I do think that this game you know I think the over is probably going to be another thing our model likes this week it's 54 and a half ish right now I 20 points too low I think that I think that gets hit at halftime um, just because Kansas City's defense is so bad, and at and they're so bad in the places that San Francisco likes to exploit the most, which are linebackers. So Re, um, Reggie Ragland can't cover a five dollar check. The Anthony Hitchens, who is their like main linebacker, he's already given up like seventeen of eighteen passes into his coverage to be caught for like two hundred yards this year and a touchdown. And I can just see you know the use checks and the Kittles and the Bredas of the world, like making their plays against him. And so like Kansas city is more than capable of putting up the points to keep up with San Francisco. But the point is, is they're going to have to, because their defense is not going to stop them. So that I, I find that to be a very compelling matchup here. Yes, I agree. Uh, okay. Here's another really interesting one. The, uh, chargers Rams, a home game for both teams for whatever that means. This actually might be the closest thing the Chargers ever get to a home game <laughs> is playing a road game in L.A. Um, and, and at the moment, the Rams are are favored by six and a half. Right? They blew out the, the Cardinals. And I, look, there are a couple of games this week where I feel like the teams, I feel like both teams have a decent shot at winning. And my whole thing is if a team has a decent shot of winning and they're a you know five-point or more underdog, you should probably take that team. That's sort of how I felt with the Lions. I thought they at least had a shot at winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I felt about the, the Niners in week one. And that's really a lot of how I feel about the Chargers in this game. Like, what? If, if someone said the Chargers beat the Rams in a game, you wouldn't be like, oh, get the hell out of here. You'd be like, oh, wow, like who who played well, right? 
Yeah, and and I think the market agrees with you. I, the first time I saw this come up, it was seven, and it quickly got to six and a half. So I do think that people saw that number as being too big. Um, the interesting thing about both of these teams is that aside from the Chargers in week one, there's been four games played by these two teams, and I, I think neither team was tested in three of them, uh, you know, with the Chargers facing the Bills, you know, and and the Rams really, there wasn't a whole, they were kind of really just toying with the Cardinals. I think Zerline was injured, but they like went for two after every single touchdown, uh, you know, on Sunday. And then, you know, against the Raiders, they basically like slept through the first half of the game, which I think they planned to do because they didn't play any of their starters in the preseason. And then they just like ran away, from, you know. So I think this is in a weird way the first real test for the Rams, um, and you know, and the Chargers have had one test that they failed so far. So I do think that these teams are more evenly matched. Um, and as you said, it's a it's kind of a quasi weird like home away thing. I don't think either one of these teams really has a huge home field advantage to begin with. So I don't know. Our numbers say it should be about five. So six and a half isn't that egregious, but um, I would continue to sort of look at the Chargers here uh, as an alternative if I was, you know, trying to bet one of these sides. Yes, the Chargers uh, would be. I'd be. I'd be cautious, of course, because it's Sean McVay. But uh, I have trouble not seeing the value there in a team that, you know, no Joey Bosa, but still could certainly put up a pretty good good fight if not win that game. All right, last game. Let's talk about uh, the <laughs> the. Bill versus Matt, the reunion, the um, master and the protege. The cutoff sweatshirt game. <laughs> the cutoff sweatshirt game. Uh, New England and Detroit. So this this game at the moment is six and a half. Detroit is 0-2 and has not looked good. New England just lost a game. Where do you think this line ends up? Uh, I think that... It's so hard because um, part of me thinks it's going to be bet up, but part of me also thinks this might be like how the what what happened when they played Tampa last year, which mm. was that you know they went on the road, everybody's kind of doubting their defense is terrible, blah blah blah, and that game went from like a six and a half to like a three and a half by game time, just because all the quote unquote sharps right, and then they end up covering it. Um, but I'm going to lean towards the the New England line growing just because I don't think Detroit right now is as formidable as people thought Tampa was at the time last year. Which is saying something in, <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I, I hope you're right in, in that because I think that would, that would present a lot of value. And I know – you know, the, the ELOs are, are close enough to the point where it's, you know, it's just going to be tough for it to, to kind of stretch out with a home team, you know, being an underdog by that many points. But I, I don't know. It, it, I would be, if it stays at six and a half, I feel like there will probably be a lot of value in, uh, in taking New England, um, especially given what we've seen from Patricia and the, the extent to which Belichick knows Patricia, I, I mean, that's just, yeah, you, I think there might be people that talk themselves into Patricia, you know, like having seen Brady and knowing Brady and all of this, I feel the exact opposite way about it. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's a whole lot of, 
of that there. I do think that the the other thing to think about is when when's the last time you saw Matthew Stafford beat a quarterback in the same cluster as Brady? Uh, zero. Right, because it's just never happened before. So, I you know I think that that's the issue is that you know he can put together a plucky backdoor cover against Jimmy G, who's still kind of like proving himself as an elite quarterback. He can, you know, beat Kirk Cousins. You know, he can do this, that, and the other thing. But like, <laughs> wow, what a choice of quarterback there. <laughs> but he can't like, but the Brady's and the the breezes and the you know we just repeatedly have just not been able to see that. I think and and to me that's that's kind of where I'm I'm at is is I think that the you know they're gonna have a lot to prove. Unlike this week, where I do think there was legitimate, you know, Jacksonville legitimately matched up well with them and executed really well defensively. I just don't think that the Detroit Lions will be able to do that against the in the the Patriots offense. Blake Bortles, in his own, you know, in fairness, was incredible, and the offensive scheme they just torched the was, the Patriots defense. It was I mean, unreal. They, I, and I don't know. I felt like they were they were they they were like playing basketball out there. Like it was almost as if they were just setting screens <laughs> on some of those route concepts. Yep. Um, I would not be surprised if uh, if Bill pays a call to the referee's office and we see a little bit of a change in this upcoming week. I, I just have a real hard time not seeing the the Patriots rebound, and I feel like a lot of people feel the same way. So. I would probably, my thought would be, I'm curious what you think about this. I would probably, you know, I would probably buy it at six and a half just to make sure I get it at six and a half. And then that way I don't have, you know, I'm not regretting my lack of action a couple of days later. Yeah. And if it gets out to, you know, eight and a half, nine, you can try to middle, but it's, it's, again, it's one of those where, like you said, you might be regretting your decision not to buy it at this point. Regret, it's an awful thing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's cut it there. There's a few other games that are interesting, but we'll we've got a whole week to talk about it. Um, throw some questions if you got any on Twitter, and we'll uh, try and work those into some of the video content that we'll do later on this week. Um, we should have a video on some of the more fleshed out look ahead lines uh, on Tuesday, um, and then of course our. Uh, bigger pod will be Thursday, about mid midday, uh, and there we'll talk about uh, some of the you know uh, you know some of our actual picks for the week. But remember don't, the, the don't value college pick of the week. Also, that's right, Syracuse that two three zone baby. The Jim Beheim two three zone came came up big against Florida undefeated. State. Two, two, Even without a quarterback, college pick of the week. Yeah. Even without the quarterback. Um, shout out to Ben Brown, by the way, who has done a, a great amount of work on the college stuff and, and is fantastic. Um, yeah, so just stay tuned, and uh, next pod will be up on Thursday. And then who knows? Maybe we'll do, uh, maybe we'll make the Thursday night George eats food thing a a uh, a trend. Hey, hey, People I'm- loved it. People loved hearing me eat. I, yeah, love is maybe a different word than I've used, but <laughs> but I, I do think people I I I was floored by how many people listened to it. So thank you guys for all listening, um, and really appreciate it. And again, if you if you want.
want more of that stuff, just let us know on Twitter. And that will, you know, to the degree that, uh, you know, George and, and his travel schedule and me and oh, my schedule can, can accommodate, we'll, we'll go ahead and do it. So tough. So tough. Um, I'm down for Thursday nights. I'm cool with it. Uh, all right. That, that's it. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace out. Go see us.